beautiful Christmas morning. And I don't know about y'all, but when you woke up this January morning, you woke up to 60-degree weather, and you said, Praise God, I live in Texas, didn't you? <laughs> Hallelujah. Right? You got friends up north, and they're like, It's negative 20. And you're like, Not in Texas, amen. Hallelujah. But then again, you're also thinking, This springy weather came out of here and like nowhere, all nice and cheery and beautiful sunshiny. They forgot that last week it was trying to kill us in Texas. Amen. <laughs> so, well, with that being said, it is so nice to see you today. Good morning. If you're joining us online this morning, it's very nice to see you as well. As you consider being here in the sanctuary, being part of what God is doing in Welsh Avenue Baptist Church. If you're visiting with us this morning, please fill out your little visitor card you'll find in front of you. Place it in the offering place that comes out so we can have a record of your visit. We would greatly appreciate that. Meantime, let me share with you a little bit about what's happening in Welsh Avenue. Such a busy time in Welsh Avenue, and if you're looking to get involved, be a part of it. Our youth group just got back yesterday from a fun time at Cutters and Gutters, and you get a chance to look at those pictures that are coming out in there. I wish I had been around to be a part of that. They went and went bowling and went playing golf and video games, and it looks like they had a grand time. So please continue to be in prayer for them. Speaking of that youth group, they have the Live, Laugh, and Love fundraiser coming up on February 9th. What that is, it's a night of dinner and humorous entertainment. So they're going to have a wonderful Italian-style dinner where you can get either a Caesar chicken salad or you can get a chicken parmesan plate. And after, during that dinner time frame, if you come with your husband or your wife, you get to be a part of the game called How Well Do You Know Your Boo? And after that, we'll have, we'll conclude the evening with a, a humorous movie uh, with Christian comedians. And let me tell you, it is worth it. You want to come be a part of that. You want to see that. Uh, you will laugh, bring your tissues, not because you're crying, because you're being sad, but because you're crying because you're laughing so hard. It is a funny, funny comedian, and I want to invite you to be a part of that. Uh, those tickets are $10 a piece for being the fellowship hall. I have those with you if you're interested in that. You can get with me at the end of service. You can get with the office throughout this week. You can get with our youth department and RSVP your tickets today. We've already sold about 10 of them, but we need more in that. Just the proceeds will go to help support our youth groups. They go to winter camp. And we'll be leaving out of the winter camp at the end of February. So we need your help in that. Please help sponsor and please help support your youth group. Also, I'm going to have to remind you that the soda machine is back in the hallway near the adult Sunday school class and near the kitchen. That soda machine has been restocked. And those proceeds also go to help support your youth group with the camp and amongst the other things that they do. So if you're thirsty, buy a soda for 75 cents to help support your youth group in there. And for that person, you keep asking me, Pastor, can you put diet sodas in there? There's diet sodas in there now. Amen. All right. So, not Pepsi, though, but uh, there is diet sodas in there, and you can get one today. <laughs> God bless you, Mustang. I'm not going to repeat what he said. Though. All right. <laughs> Thank you. I knew you were going to Also, church, what else has been happening this week uh, coming up? Today at services, uh, at the end of services, we'll have 4.30 and on a practice. So if you're interested in being a part of that, I think it's be the last day to join us. So Brother Mark says we need a couple more voices in there. Even if you do drink Pepsi bottles, you can still come and be a part of that. <laughs> you can get in the choir in that. <laughs> come and be a part of that choir. So, you know, some churches fight over Dallas Cowboys. Some of them fight over uh, UT and Texas A&M. We fight over Pepsi and Coke. <laughs> All right. Uh, come and be a part of that. It's not a practice for today. Following our evening worship at 6 p.m. right here in the sanctuary. Monday night, though, we have an interesting class. And a lot of 
Club. We had a wonderful attendance last week. We saw Nancy come be a part of that in the fellowship hall. Uh, called Why Is That in the Bible? We have a lot of fun with that. It's only one hour from six to seven. We will end seven right out on the dock. So I want to be constantly in time. So it's a neat, neat, neat time. We open up with a word of prayer. We open up with a song. And we go right into our topic. The only textbook you need is your favorite version of the Bible. Any version of the Bible will do. However, we will refer to the Greek and Hebrew in it. Make sure we're staying on the right track in that. But it's a neat, neat, neat fact. Come and be a part of that. Also, church, on February 17th, we're going to have a student football Operation Christmas Child Shipping fundraiser. And so there's going to be more details coming out about that. So start praying about being a part of that and support your Operation Christmas Child in that. Speaking of OCC, the item of the month is still at Missing Gloves. So as far as so if you're interested in providing for that, that's what they're accepting this month. So please consider being a part of that. The ladies are having the Joy Overflowing quarterly luncheon coming up on February 24th at 11 a.m. I believe there will be a sign-up sheet for that, so be on the lookout for that. It may already be there. Uh, so, but either way, start looking for that and you can be a part of that as well. I think that's about it for this week other than our normally scheduled programs, men's Bible studies, ladies' Bible studies, and of course our Wednesday night services. They're regularly scheduled, so we hope to see you there to be a part of that. Anything that I have forgotten other than the Bible this week? So, that being said, your library wants They want to share with you as well the books of the Bible. It's a neat little worksheet. If that's the one of those things, Pastor, I don't know the books of the Bible. It will help you learn them. You can pick it up in here. It's free. You can color it if you want to. And But either way, it will help you do that. You can find some more interesting resources as well from your local library. And just for special ladies, be a part of that. Is that all you want to do? Oh, well, there you go. So you can also... Also, color it in as you read it as a scripture. I think that's about it for our announcements. So let's go to the Lord in prayer as we pray. Please, God, and welcome one another. Father God, we come to you now. Jesus, name, and Lord, how we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house, Lord. And as we worship you today, may we worship you in secret. May we lay down any care, any concern, anything, Lord God, that would come between us and you and worshiping you. And let today be the day, Father God, that your spirit breaks. Let it break through in our hearts and our lives, Lord God. Let there be miracle after miracle after miracle. Those, Lord, who need to be saved, and those, Lord God, who need to come back home, and those, Father God, who need to be a part of what you're doing here, Lord God. I'm praying, Lord, for those that are out traveling, for those that are homesick, Lord God, and those that are online looking now and watching. Father, I pray that you speak to them, Lord, and let them know that you need to be a part of what you're doing here, Lord God. Go with us now to our time of worship. Glorify and magnify your holy and righteous name. For we give you that praise, honor, and glory.
morning. You'll make your way back to your seats. Just remain standing and we will start our worship service with the singing of, we have come into his house. We have obviously come into his house to worship him.
Thank you, Brother Glenn, for that beautiful panel recital. Thank you, Rob Sam, and the choir for blessing me. You might be saying, Pastor, I can't sing. Neither can I. Thank God, though, that a multitude of voices covers over sin, doesn't it? You can come and join in with us and be a part of that. If you have your Bibles, you can please come with me to the book of Proverbs. Probably. We're not going to stay there. We're going to start there. Take a look at the message tonight titled Friends. Please note, Friends has a question mark at the end of the book. Friends. I know when we think about friends, a lot of things pop in our mind. Many of us were fans of the television show by that name, Friends. Uh huh, uh huh. And we were like, I'm not admitting that, but you were. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Our Father, who art in heaven, we come to you now in Jesus' name. Oh, how we thank you, Lord God, for your word. And I pray that as we look into your word this morning, you can speak to us. It's my prayer, Father God, that there be anyone that hears your word today, Lord, hears your voice. If they do today, Lord God, they surrender. Come, put you in their heart and their life, Lord, and Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that there be any Christians who have stepped off to the way began wandering and began chasing the world that created you today to come back home. I pray, Lord, if there be anyone here that needs to be a part of our family, anyone, Lord God, that needs to surrender to baptism because you are Lord, you can let us know you Go with us now as we look into your word. Teach us, edify us, equip us, encourage us. Most of all, Lord, please be glorified. Let's in Jesus' name we pray. Friends. What is a friend? took time this morning to look up the definition of friends. This comes from uh, Webster's Online Dictionary, Merriam-Webster's Online Dictionary. And so they gave us several different definitions. I'm going to share with you some of them here uh, of the word friend. In fact, the number one definition of it is one attached to another by affection or esteem. And that's what most of us would define friend as today. Somebody who's attached to you by affection or esteem. Somebody I respect. I don't know about you, but there are people who I respect that are not my friends. Now, there's only one person I'm attached to by affection, and she's not my friend like that. She's my wife. Amen? But I understand that friends develop a love for each other. Some of you are already thinking, David and Jonathan had that love for one another. They most certainly did. Praise God. Praise God. Friendship, love. There are those out there who will try to turn that into something unholy, who try to make that into something that's glorifying to the devil. Well, let me tell you what, David and Jonathan's friendship was friendship. And not only was it friendship, it was trusting. It was a loving. And it was an understanding. And I believe something about Jonathan that we often miss. And that's Jonathan could see past the situation he was in, and he could look into what the future promised. And that future was a kingdom for David. I believe he could see past that. I believe he knew something. That affection then went on to David. Some of you are big fans of King David, and some of you ask the question, why then does Jonathan take his armor off because it's a picture and gives it to David of David becoming king? Second definition that Webster gives us is one that's not hostile. One that is the same nation, part of your group. Let me give you an example of that. Anybody who's not mean to you must be a friend. Wrong. Definitely wrong. 
Wonders of the same nation. I don't know about you, but there are a lot of people in the United States of America, and not all of them are my friends. In fact, not everybody in the city of Cotton Cove is my friend. What about those in a party? And we mean by party like those with the same affiliation. When I read this definition, the first thing that came to my mind was political party. Because I like politics, so there's no, need, there's no, no wonder why that came. But when you think of party, you might be thinking of political party. You might be thinking of some identical party that's out there. Some of you are part of the USAA club. Some of you are part of the Wounded Warriors club. And those are parties as well. Does that make all those members your friends? Not how we define friends. Perhaps part of a group, like friends of the library. Does that make them your friends? Perhaps you're part of the PETA movement. Does that make them your friends? Or else, or the third definition is one that favors or promotes something. I don't know about you, but I've run into a lot of people who promote or favor the same ideas I do. I am a Dallas Cowboys fan, and just because you're a Dallas Cowboys fan does not make you my friend. How many of you know that's true? That's right. Number four, this is from Miriam Whisper again. It said it's a favorite companion. I think that's a good definition of friend. Somebody I enjoy spending time with. Somebody I love to be around. Favorite companion. It's somebody I can't wait to see. Somebody I can't wait to divulge. My deity. Fifth definition of a friend is a member of a Christian sect. And I need to understand they're referring to Quakers. They're referring to things of that nature where these people call themselves a set of brother but friends. And those friends refuse any sacrament, refuse any church organization, and they have become Quakers. A member of a Christian sect, they call themselves friends. I don't think that makes you a friend either. Six. Person included in a list of one's designated connections on a social media device. You know, we had to add that because nowadays we can't live without Facebook. Amen? Or Meta. Or Instagram. A person included on a list of one's designated connections. Let me be blunt this morning. If somebody is your friend on Facebook, that does not make them your friend in life. You better believe it. Maybe we've forgotten what a friend really is. I think that somewhere down the line, we've forgotten what friendship is. And you know, the Bible is full of beautiful friendship stories. And the Bible is full of stories where someone is deceived by someone who's quote-unquote a friend. And I may be preaching to you this morning. You say, Pastor, you've been reading my mail. Or perhaps you're online this morning, and you're sitting there saying, I had somebody who used me, abused me, and I thought they were my friends. Well, remember last week we started out looking at something that said was going to be, in my opinion, a part of the year 2024. We looked at the broken altar, remember? We took a look at that. We looked at Elijah, the prophet of Baal, and we looked at what Elijah did, repairing that altar and bringing back the reverence of God. And I believe if we're going to have a successful 2024 year, the church, we better get back to repairing the altar. We better get back to making God reverent, being holy. We better get back to being His people. Because I believe the year 2024 is going to be a tough, tough 
tough years. I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about war. Even though those things are definitely on the wind, the rumors are blowing here and there. There are, without a doubt, rumors of wars everywhere we go. You better get back to repairing that altar in your life. So, the sermon on a broken altar was a call to return to making God's touch in your life. I also shared with you that I'll be giving you a few more sermons to help prepare us for the year 2024. Of course, that number one sermon is repair that altar in your life. Perhaps you've broken it down through the years. You've walked away, and you have become less than reverent toward God. Now it's time to come back. Now it's the time. I also believe that in 2024, that not only will it be a difficult year for many Christians, but that we need to start repairing that altar, and that we need to start understanding not everyone is a friend. We're in Proverbs chapter 18. I'd like to read this. Just one verse in Proverbs. Verse 24, the Bible says, A man who has friends must himself be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Oh boy. What a verse. Amen. There is a friend who sticks closer than than a brother. And incidentally, though, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. Now, we could spend the next hour hermeneutically breaking down this verse. We can look at it and unpack it. A man. And we look at what a man is, we're looking at a male individual. Of course, nowadays, the year 2024, we think and we believe, and I agree, it applies to a woman as well. So let's say a believer who has friends must he or she herself be friendly. And so that implies a lot of what a Christian must do. You know what, Christian? We've got to be friendly. I want to share with you something from this verse that we often overlook. Number one, as a Christian, we've got to learn that friendliness is a lot better than hatefulness. Can I get an amen this morning? You're going to catch a lot more flies with honey than you ever will with vinegar. My mama used to tell me that all the time because I used to have that, that sourpuss look on my face all the time, you know? I'd look like I went outside and ate a persimmon. You know, you ever met that kind of Christian? They can't smile about anything. They can't laugh about anything. They're always serious about everything. There's never a moment of joy in their life. I don't know about you, but joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Start getting happy, Christian. Now, you know what, though? The Bible tells us that if we have friends, we've got to be friendly. You've got to start being a little bit friendly. And being friendly isn't always laughing. It is always joyful. No, 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 don't get me wrong. But it is being acceptable. And it is being approachable. We need to learn every friend who sits closer than a brother. However, sometimes when we start being friendly, we can get taken in on what friends really are. I think back in 30 years of ministry, I've done how many times I've been stuck in the back by somebody. I know how long you've been. How many years you've been used, you've been abused, you've been lied to, or you've been hurt by somebody you thought was a friend. What about, maybe I'm preaching to the choir this morning, and you know what? They got to go down, praise God, and you know why they go down? Because I'm a truck from behind me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's right. That's right. No, <laughs> no. But the truth is, church, and how we feel about that is a lot of times we've forgotten what a friend is. Friends aren't acquaintances. Friends aren't somebody who has the same idea you do. Friends aren't somebody who likes the same things that you like. Those are bases to 
start friendships, but it doesn't make somebody a friend. What makes somebody a friend? You know what makes somebody a friend? Are you ready for this? What makes somebody a friend is somebody you learn to trust. That doesn't mean you trust them with everything in your life. It's somebody you can trust, though, with that smile. It's somebody you can trust with that twinkle in your eye. It's somebody you can trust with your feelings, if need be. And it's somebody you can trust. You know what? You can trust Pastor John for something. You can come to the church and say, Pastor, I need you to watch this $10,000. And when you come back next week, $10,000 will be there. But I also am going to tell you the truth. If you leave a Twinkie in my possession and come back next week, it's going to be gone. I wish I'd tell you the truth up front. I only got half of this Twinkie back. I don't know what happened to it. I don't know, but there there was a random. <laughs> now, as you've undoubtedly discovered, when you become dedicated to Christ, it seems like the whole world comes to tempt you, especially in the avenue of friendship, doesn't it? It seems like everybody wants to be your friend. It seems like everybody wants to tell you something. Everybody wants to give you some kind of advice. And everybody wants to tell you what to do. So when you become a Christian, the first thing we need to learn is who our friends are. And I believe somewhere down the line, the church has forgotten who our friends are. Our friends, listen to me, our friends are not idol worshipers, number one. We ought to think because sometimes we have some of the same agenda as idol worshippers. Some of those idol worshippers may be anti-abortion. And we say, oh, we can work with them. No, you can't. You can't trust them, one. And two, they'll stick you in the back just as soon as you turn around to them. Why? Because they don't worship the same God you do. And if they don't worship the same God we do, then they don't have our morals. And our morals tells us that we have to be true and faithful. Somebody say amen this morning. When you become dedicated to Christ, it seems like the whole world comes against you, doesn't it? And perhaps you're online saying, man, that pastor's reading my mail this morning. Perhaps you're in a few saying, he's talking to me. You bet I am. That's why we need to know this morning what a friend is. So I want to prepare you for the year 2024. Not only do you need to start rebuilding that altar, perhaps you've broken down that altar. Perhaps you're already convicted about that. You had a relationship with God. You were moving strong. Going strong with God, you were a part of the church, and somewhere down the line, somewhere down the line, your relationship with God became less than important. Perhaps work got to be too important. You know what? You done made work your friend, didn't you? Uh-oh. That means amen in a Baptist church. Somewhere down the line, some other relationship came between you and God, and that altar fell into disrepair. And the rocks began tumbling down. You know what I'm talking about. I am not preaching to somebody who doesn't know. And perhaps this morning you need to rebuild that. On top of that, though, as you begin rebuilding that altar, you're going to realize that everybody comes up to you and says, Don't do that, do this. Don't look at that, look at this. Don't read that, read this. Don't believe that, believe this. It's kind of like theologically the world wants every bit of your faith to knowledge, don't they? It's kind of like the politicians nowadays. They'll knock on your door and you tell them to quit coming. Did you know that? I want to prepare you for the year 2024 and when all we want is a friend. Well, we've all been there. In fact, saying, Pastor, that's all I want right now. I feel so alone. All we want is a friend. Well, we've all been there. We've all been a part of that. In fact, they used to make a TV show about when all you want is a friend. Just a second. Do you remember that one? Some of you are singing a song right now. Sometimes you want to go. You're not singing with me. <laughs> Somebody finished it where everybody knows your name. And so you just want to be with your friends. 
we forgot what a friend is. Church has got to start realizing that not everyone, not everyone who calls himself Christian actually belongs to Christ. So deep down the side, really what you need to learn is what's the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. I want to give you some of those definitions right now. Number one, a Christian is somebody, in fact, write it down. Put it down in your Bible. Take it out of your Bible. Put it on your refrigerator door. That's where all the important things go. Somebody say amen. Put it on your refrigerator door. Put it in your phone to pop up as an alarm every time you get a text, every time you get some sort of notification. Write down this definition. What is a Christian? A Christian is somebody who has Jesus Christ as their Lord. That's what a Christian is. A Christian isn't somebody who goes to church. It isn't somebody who has a Bible. It isn't somebody who listens to Christian music. It is somebody who accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord. Because He's Lord, that means they've been blood-boxed, they've been redeemed, they've been born again, and they follow Jesus. That's what a Christian is. Incidentally, as a Christian, that's where our friends are supposed to be. Amen! Amen, now. Don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean we don't go out to the world. That doesn't mean we don't go out to lost people. But you need to understand, there's a big difference. Jesus was a friend of sinners. Oh, yeah. Some people say, where's the sin? It doesn't necessarily say it word for word, but it does convey. It does imply. Jesus wasn't afraid to be out with sinners. But here's the difference. Jesus didn't sin with sinners. He sat with sinners. There's a big difference in it. What happens when we start becoming friends with the world is we start including what they're doing into what we're doing. We start mixing it and blending it. You can't do that with Christianity. You can't do that. That's like mixing Coke and Pepsi products. It's a sin. <laughs> Not everyone who calls themselves Christian actually belongs to Christ. You see, we got to quit naming anybody who comes in and says, I'm a Christian. we got to stop believing that they're automatically a Christian. What we got to start doing in the year 2024 is watching for fruit. we got to start watching for love, peace, joy, happiness, love, suffering. we got to start watching for evidence that they're Christians. And you know something? If we'd been doing that, then we wouldn't have the problems we have nowadays in the year 2024. We would not have those churches that have child molesting pastors. We would not have those churches that have raping deacons. We would not have them because we would have tested them and known whether they were Christians or not. Yes. Not everyone who calls himself Christians actually belongs to Christ. People say that to me all the time. Oh, Pastor, I ain't going to church but the hypocrites there. I usually tell them there's room for one more. Come on. Oh, I ain't going there. Bunch of hypocrites there. You don't go there for the people. You go there for Jesus Christ. You go there for Him. You're not going there for relationships with people. Those relationships are born out of your relationship to Christ. Because you worship Christ, because you love Christ, then Christians will be drawn to you because your light so shines. I know you know this. You ever turn on your porch light? Leave it on for five minutes in Texas. It don't matter if it's 20 degrees or 100 degrees. You know what's going to be by your porch light in five minutes? Christians, turn on your light, and it don't matter if it's five minutes or two hours. Other Christians will be around. Yeah. We need to know who our friends are. There are three types of friends that you need to avoid. Are you ready? These types of friends you need to avoid as a Christian. You need to be aware of these guys because they are destiny destroyers. Well, we almost titled this message this morning, Destiny Destroyers. 
destroyers. They are those that like to break down. They like to tear down. They like to use, to abuse, and they like to deceive. Number one, are you ready for this? Some people will befriend you before they destroy you. How many of you know that's true? These people are called frenemies. That's a 2020 term, isn't it? I remember the first time I ever heard that. I was teaching over in the junior high school. And I had two kids get into an altercation. And I broke it up. It was really easy to do. The junior high kids broke it up. So what's the matter with you? And he said, oh, we're friends. And I'm like, that's not how you treat a friend. He said, well, we're frenemies. I'm like, come again. What is a frenemy? Frenemy is somebody who acts friendly, but deep down inside, they really despise you. They really hate you. These are Judas kind of people, and they walk with you as long as nothing good is happening to you. But when you succeed, they show who they really are and hate everything about you. Take a look with me in Matthew 26. Let's take a look at Judas and Jesus here. Let's take a look here. Remember, they're Judas kind of people, friend of these There's somebody who looks you in the face and says, I'm your friend, you can trust me. But back behind your back, they're hanging out with everybody who hates you. Matthew 26, 14 to 16, then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. Listen to me now. You should never... Trust anyone that hangs out with the people who hate you. You should not trust them. Now, you need to understand that doesn't mean you hate them. We don't hate. We're Christians. We love. We forgive. But if you're hanging out with the people who hate you, don't share your heart with them. I mean, how dumb can you be? In the end, that friend of me is going to show up with a mob to arrest you, just like Judas did. You want to read about it? Look at me in Matthew 26. Let's read verses 27 to 50. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve of the great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now, the prayer had given him a sign saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one Caesar. Listen to what Jesus said. Immediately, he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. When you are friends with a friend of me, then you're going to find out that that person is waiting for an opportunity to destroy you. You're going to find out that that person is hanging out with those who hate you. And when you share your deepest, darkest secrets with them, it's no longer a secret. Those that hate you now know it. You say, Pastor, what am I going to do? What can I do? And you know what? We need to learn from Jesus. Remember when we started out in the book of Proverbs? There is a friend that's thick and closer than a brother. There is a friend who's closer than a brother. But before we get into that, we need to look at some more of these friends we need to avoid. These kind of friends we need to avoid. Avoid a frenemy. A frenemy will destroy you. They'll walk with you, laugh with you, play with you until something good happens to you. And then they turn around saying, Damn, I knew that should happen to me. You ever heard the story here in Texas? I don't know if I should share this with you or not here in a Baptist church, but here in Texas, somebody bought somebody a lotto ticket for Christmas. I know. Don't say amen. Give yourself away. Somebody bought somebody a scratch-off lotto ticket for Christmas, and that person scratched that lotto ticket on Christmas morning, and they won $5,000. 
That's what I would have said, too. Hey, that's a lot of Twinkies, amen? However, that person came up to him and said, I think you should split that with me since I'm the one who bought it for you. They're all friendly until something good happens to them. And then, out of a sudden, they show their true colors for who they are. And really what they're saying is, that shouldn't happen to you, that should happen to me. Really what they're saying is, I can't believe you're doing better than me. I'm better than you. That's not a friend, that's a friend of me. And you need to learn the difference, Christian. Those people are not here to help you. They're there to keep you from succeeding. You need to learn that. They're out there. And they're going to be in the year 2024 calling themselves your friends and trying to disguise themselves by doing the same things you do, by saying the same things you said, and by being a part of the same activities and organizations that you are. And I want to remind you, just because they're a friend on Facebook doesn't make them a friend in real life. Just because they put out a scripture every morning doesn't make them a Christian. Just because they put pictures of them holding the Bible or reading the Bible does not make them a Christian. What makes them a Christian is if Jesus Christ is their Lord. Amen? Number two, let's take a look at that second kind of friend you should avoid. Household enemies. That's right. Family can be your biggest battleground. I'm going to preach something personal here for a second. When I got saved, my biggest enemies were my family. Oh, they fought everything that I said and everything that I did. You can't do that. You can't change that. We've always done it this way. Always better. Let me tell you, Christ's way is always better. When I got saved, things started changing in me. And I think it's amazing. Like you turn on the light and other people will still flocking to you. Thank Jesus says that. You will exalt me and lift me up. The whole world will come unto you. You want to know why people aren't knocking down the doors to get into the church today? It's because we are not exalting Jesus Christ anymore. We're exalting programs. We're exalting agendas. We're exalting cliques and groups inside of churches. Well, we should be exalting Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And if we did that, then the whole world would say, I need to see the light. Hallelujah. Amen. Household enemies can be your biggest battleground. You need to learn to walk in your calling, even when family resists your call. You might say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? When you become a Christian, you're called to something. Did you know that? You're called to say, hey, wait a minute, I don't have a calling on me. I beg to differ. You most certainly do. Your calling is to bring the gospel to anybody, everybody, anywhere, any second, every hour of every day. That's right. That's your calling. And you're supposed to walk in that. You're supposed to live in that. Let me give you some biblical examples of some household problems that people have. How many remember the story of Joseph? Joseph had how many brothers that were anti-Joseph? <laughs> some people are like, where does the Bible say that? Hello? Hello? Here's another one. Jacob. I can go on and on, baby. There's all kinds of problems. When somebody starts following God in a family that doesn't follow God, there's going to be opposition. Why? Why is that? How many of you know what the Bible tells us? When you become a Christian, you become salt. Did you know that? Did you know salt is not only a preservative, salt is also a decay type. Did you know that when you bring salt into a dissolving, destructive environment, it will sting those who are trying to break down? Don't believe me? Get a cut on your finger and go eat Whataburger fish fries. 
you will remember salt stinks. It sure does. But when you bring salt into a, uh, an environment that is decaying, you're going to have somebody say, I don't like that guy. He stings me. You ain't stinging him. The Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is. And it's just part of that. You need to walk in your calling. Don't change your convictions for somebody. Get that person convicted to be a part of Jesus Christ. Now, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. Why? Well, number one, he had brothers who didn't like him. Why didn't they like him? Some people might say, well, Pastor, they were more friendly. They don't know how these guys are in the household of, of Joseph. This is a battle in the household. You know the story of Joseph. I want to challenge you to read about it in the book of Genesis. My favorite part is chapter 39 of Genesis, Joseph's story. I encourage you to read that on your own sometime. But just in a nutshell, Joseph gets sold into slavery by his brothers. He goes into Egypt. He goes into Egypt. Now his brothers know where Joseph is. Yet they go home and tell their father that Joseph is dead. Well, they don't necessarily say the word Joseph's dead. What they say is, you know whose coat this is? We found it. It's full of blood. See, I don't know what happened, but I bet you can figure it out, Dad. So they get Jacob to believe that Joseph is dead. But what I'm trying to say is, when you have a household that's against what you're doing in Jesus Christ, they're going to try to make you out as dead. Now, it's the year 2024, and I'm not talking about physically being dead. I'm talking about your household, your brothers, your sisters, your cousins, your nieces, your nephews, your moms, and your dad are going to try to make you insignificant to the rest of the family. And some of you may know exactly what I'm talking about this morning. Perhaps you're online and you say, wait a minute, I became a Christian. I became somebody who's truly following Jesus, and I want to see my family get saved. I want to see my family come back to Jesus. However, everywhere I go, they try to make me insignificant. They try to make me unimportant. In other words, they're trying to say, I'm dead. And my opinion and my voice no longer matter. Take a look at Jacob. Jacob was deceived by his father-in-law. How many of you know that's not too far from home today? Amen? You've been married, I guarantee you, you've had an issue with the in-laws at one time or another. Maybe small, maybe big. But I guarantee you there's been a problem somewhere where a mom or dad or an in-law was mad at somebody. How do I know that? I've been married for 26 years. It happens. It happens. Jacob was deceived by his father-in-law, Laban. Why? Because Jacob had developed a relationship with God Almighty. Do y'all remember the story of Jacob's ladder? And Jacob goes down and starts to take those daughters away through marriage from Laban. And Laban says, you can't take my family away. That's where I was in charge. That's where I was significant. That's where I was the numero uno. And now all of a sudden you're bringing God into the picture. And I can't let that happen. Jacob's deceived over and over and over by his father-in-law. What's more, sometimes he knows he's being deceived. Let me tell you something, Christian. As a Christian, you're no, you know the world's going to try to deceive you. You know the world's going to try to use you. You know the world's going to try to abuse you. And people ask you, Pastor, why do we let it happen? Because we love. Amen? We love. We love. And therefore, we expect the world to abuse us. We expect the world to use us. We expect the world to try to destroy us. But we also believe the Word of God that the gates of hell will never, ever, ever prevail against God's church. All we got to do is stand up and believe. Let's take a look at my point here this morning. Don't get discouraged by the actions of family. You might be discouraged right now. 
Don't get discouraged by asking your family. Be encouraged that there is one that sticks closer than a brother. Remember that as we started out in the book of Proverbs, there's one that sticks closer than a brother. Remember, though, you're going to be friends. You've got to be friendly. Christian, it's okay to be friendly. It's okay to be nice. It's okay to realize somebody's being mean to you and you not retaliate. Let me tell you, that's what we're supposed to do. We don't get revenge. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. We don't do that. We let God do that. Let's take a look at that third set of friends you need to avoid, though. You need to avoid frenemies. You need to avoid those sour family relationships. Does that mean you don't ever talk to them again? No, no. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is, is you don't trust them again with that particular part of your heart. Don't let them make you insignificant. Instead, be what God calls you to be. Walk in your car. Let's look at the third one here. Users, abusers, and opportunities. These people, these people right here, love to walk with the Christian today because they see opportunities. You know, I used to make a joke out of this when I was pastoring those small country churches. I used to love preaching in them. There was a lot of fun. 20, 25 people on a Sunday morning, and we'd have all kinds of visitors every week. Somebody would come in from a big church where they got their heart hurt, or they got their feelings hurt, and they'd come in, or they had a disagreement with another pastor, and they'd come in, and they would say, now that I'm here, I'm ready to teach this class, pastor. And I said, no, you're not. I kid you not. One Sunday morning, a wonderful family showed up. Big ameners. They were young pastor's dreams. Amen, amen. Everybody was getting excited. We got an ameners in the church. That's why I love Robert Sanford. Y'all not afraid to say amen. Amen? I love it. In fact, every time you say amen, I say amen. I get excited. When you get excited, I get excited. We're going to break out and revive you. True. But in those small country churches, they're all looking at each other like, somebody may think something if I say amen. Somebody might say something bad about me. Wait a minute. We got an ameners in the church. And of course, after service, everybody just flocked around this guy like he was an amazing individual. First thing he said was, Hey, Pastor, I'm on my ninth marriage. I'm here to teach your divorce class. And I was like, I want to teach them how to stay married. Not, not get divorced. He's like, I'm at this church and I couldn't agree with the pastor. And I was like, I bet you, if he's reading out of the same Bible I'm reading, I guarantee you, you don't agree. I want to use your position to get where I want to be. And they exist in the Christian church, don't they? You ever met them before? They smell opportunity. Oh, I'm a minister. I'm going to follow this guy. I'm going to ride on his coattails or ride on this girl's coattails to get where I need to be. And I'm going to take this position or take this position. They are users. And you need to avoid them. Don't trust them. Don't trust them. They love to reach in and say, I'll take it, I'll take it, I'll take it. It's not running the way I like it, so I'll take it. That's a user. No, what else you have? Abusers. Those are the abusers, the ones who know that as a Christian, you can't really fight much back. And they abuse you, and they revel watching you cringe. And they revel watching you hurt. Yeah, I inflicted that damage. You don't trust you have opportunities. Users, abusers, and opportunists. And actually, to be honest with you, all three of them are rolled into one. Users, abusers, and opportunists. These are pretenders. These opportunists and pretenders only befriend you because they see opportunities to benefit from you. They use your skills, use your position, use your name to get where they could not get without you. Let's take a look at one right here. Look at me in the book of Esther, chapter 3. Let's look at verses 5 and 6. As we look at somebody who uses 
someone and an opportunity. Now, if you're getting ready for the Jewish feast of Purim, you're going to say, boo, when you hear this guy's name. That's coming up here in a couple of weeks, so I know you're getting excited for it. If you want to practice, you can go ahead and say boo. When Haman saw that, boo, when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay him homage, Haman was filled with wrath. But he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had told him of the people of Mordecai. Instead, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout the whole kingdom of Asuras, the people of Mordecai. What's the opportunity here? I'm going to go to the king. Asuras is their king. I'm going to go to this king. And because we're buddies and friends, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to get revenge on Mordecai. What is the opportunity? What is he so mad at Mordecai about? You want to know why? He comes out of the gate, and Mordecai is the only person that don't bow. Whoa. He didn't bow down and say, there's the king's man. He didn't do a curse. He got mad over that. And some of you may know, Mordecai had the right not to do that because he had saved the king's life. That's right. Yeah. This guy got so mad at that, he disrespected me, and so I'm going to find an opportunity through the king to get even. And not just on Mordecai, but on every one of those. That's an opportunity. That's an abuser. That's a You know anybody like that? In fact, you're afraid to tell somebody. I'm starting to get Bible studies. You're like, I'll be there to teach with you. No, you're not. Stop! You know anybody like that? I'm going to be there to correct you. You know anybody like that? Opportunists, users, abusers. They're not your friends. Don't trust them. Love them, though. Don't you trust them? So what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? Well, number one, you need to learn what a real friend is. A real friend is somebody who has accepted Jesus Christ as Lord. That doesn't mean that friends don't sin, because they do. That doesn't mean friends don't make mistakes, because they do. Friends make mistakes all the time. If you're truly friends with somebody, you're going to have a misunderstanding somewhere. Did you know that? You're going to misinterpret what somebody said. Let me tell you something else. If you're married to somebody, you're going to misinterpret what they said. If you really love somebody, you are always looking at what they're doing, what they're saying. You know why? Because you love them. You're enthralled with them. And then you may mistake something they said or did. And your feelings get hurt. Really, what you need to do is go to them and say, just thank you. And they'll be like, I didn't mean it that way. You'll be like, oh, I feel like a fool. That's what friends do. So what are we supposed to do as Christians? Well, James 4.4 tells us something. Don't go to James 4.4. The Bible tells us adulterers and adulterers. I love how James calls them. He's calling them that. Those are the reading this book. You adulterers and adulterers. When you are chasing after the things of the world, you are committing adultery on God. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Are you hearing me this morning? We can't mix that into Christianity. We can't grab a hold of a worldly friend and say, teach us your ways. The world should be coming to us and teach us your ways, and we should be telling them our ways is the ways of God Almighty. Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend with the world makes himself an enemy with God. I didn't say that's the Bible. We need to remember when we're looking for real friends, when we're looking for who a friend is, there are people to avoid. There are. We need to avoid those abusers, users, and opportunities. 
We need to avoid that family drama. You don't need that. Love them. Pray for them. Be there with them. But don't give them opportunity to fight you. You know what? You're better than that, Christian. Stop it. Also, you can remember, frenemies aren't really friends. Look at me again in Proverbs 18, 26. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. I love how Proverbs tells us that. When you've when you got friends, you got to be friendly. you got to be nice to people. you got to be nice to people. You're going to find that your friendly reaction does a lot more than your angry reaction. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs that a soft answer turns away friendly reaction. Let it go. Man who has friends must himself be friendly. But there is a friend She's closer than a brother. What friend is the Bible telling us about? What friend do you need right now? And you say, Pastor, everywhere I turn, I've got frenemies, I've got family problems, I've got years and years of opportunities knocking at my door. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know who to turn to. There is one. Listen to me now. There is one that sticks closer than a brother. There is one who sticks closer. Look with me at John 15, 15. And I want you to, to read this verse with me. No longer, says Jesus, do I call you servants. Even though he has every right, he is the Lord, and we are his servants. And Jesus said, no longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. In other words, when you become a Christian, Jesus is letting you in on the plan. You get to know what God is doing in your neighborhood. And what your problem is, is you're refusing to follow not James 2, 21 to 23. I love the description of Father Abraham here. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the, help me out, friend of God. Do you want to be a friend of God? Are you looking for that friend that sticks closer to the brother? Then you've got to start doing what Abraham did. So what did Abraham do? This is our final point of the message tonight. This is the final point of it. The year 2024, you need to rebuild your altar. You need to be aware that not everyone who wants to be your friend is friendly, but that as a Christian, you've got to be friendly to everybody because you want them to accept Jesus as Lord. How do you be the friend of God then? We got to do what Abraham did. Catch that in James chapter two. He gave all to God. He gave everything to God. Do you want to be God's friend? Surrender it all to God. Can we sing that song? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to man. Would you be willing to do that this morning? Give all to God. You know what else Abraham had? He had faith. Captain James said, he gave it all to God, and he believed in God. And what did God do? He accounted it to him as righteous and was called the friend of God. Would you be willing to give it to God this morning? Would you be willing to believe God this morning? Would you be willing to accept him into your heart as personal Lord and say, you know what the Bible tells us? The book of Romans chapter 10. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, thou shalt be saved. Would you be willing to come and do that this morning? Would you be willing to say, God is my friend? Would you be willing to be a friend of God this morning? Perhaps you say, Pastor, I am a Christian. I am born again. But like you said, I have let that altar fall down. 
I want to rebuild that old people, rebuild those contracts. You don't need to talk to me. You need to talk to God. Come on. That's what this all is for. Pastor said, Pastor, I'm looking for a church that I can be a part of. You can be coming this morning. Letting us know that God is calling you to be a part of God's family. Whatever it is He's calling you, we're going to have a word of prayer. We're struggling with you. Surrender yourself this morning. Let's pray for you. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, for your word. And I pray you take charge. Even now, this invitation time. There be anyone that needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior. There be anyone that needs to get their heart right with you. You let today be that day. Give them the courage, Lord, to come. Ask you into their hearts. Be Lord and Savior their life. For any, Lord God, you need to be a part of Rock's family. For any, Lord God, you need to come home today. So that now be that time. Today be that day. For some Jesus' great mighty name we pray. Amen. Would you come as we say, Ask me not. Would you come to me? Would you come this morning?
services that are normal. Come and be a part of those. Ladies Bible study on Tuesday, men's Bible study on Thursday. And don't forget, tomorrow night study at 6 p.m. In the meantime, let's close that word of prayer and I hope to see you guys this evening. And I'm going to ask, way back there in the back, our brand new chairman of the Deacon's Little Stevie, would you close with some prayer time, sir?